Well, hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to another episode of This Week in the New York Times, a post-progressive look at our progressive paper of record. It is Friday, November 19th, 2021. And um, today I actually wanna color a little bit outside the lines. I'm gonna talk about a, a couple of topics that are in the news, very much in the New York Times and everywhere else too, but I'm gonna look at it through the lens of, uh, in, in some ways it's the uh, morning television equivalent of the New York Times, and that's Morning Joe on MSNBC. And I like Morning Joe for the most part. Uh, and I particularly like Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough was a congressperson. He was a, um, a small government conservative, very much a budget cutter and uh, just in that very traditional mold of conservative Republican and against Clinton, you know, big fighter against Clinton. And he has this show with Mika Brzezinski, his wife, who's kind of a natural liberal. And I think often Joe has sort of a proto-integral sensibility because he gets the conservative view and he also has, you know, transformed into more of a liberal, I think, honestly. And um, certainly he is a big enemy of Donald Trump <laughs> and reverse of ISA. So anyway, Joe, uh, a couple of days ago was talking about the culture war. And he was talking about how Liz Cheney was thrown out of the Wyoming Republican Party for voting to impeach Trump and for her role in investigating the riots at the Capitol on January 6th. And this is how, uh, Joe, I'm gonna play a couple clips. This is how he described what's going on. It's just all tribal. It doesn't matter what your views are uh, on on issues. You look at there. It's just how much you worship a former reality TV host, a guy who actually had the largest deficits in American history, the largest national debt in American history, the biggest budgets in American history. I mean, all the things that we fought against, we being small government conservatives, Donald Trump ripped through. All right, so he makes that point that the ideologies of the Republican Party were th that he resonated with were thrown out the window when Trump came along. And so the question I have is then why did these people support Donald Trump and why do they continue to support Donald Trump when he went against everything that he believed in? Uh, when the, everything they believed in. And if your answer is that it's because they're in a personality cult, then I would say that that is some form of being tribal on your part and on the part of Scarborough in this case. Being tribal in politics is basically seeing your political opponents as being unworthy of full moral consideration. You don't take them seriously. You see them as stupid, deluded, corrupt, co-opted, uh, in some form of bad faith, and maybe even evil. And when you do that, you're you know, in that polarity against, that is the definition of culture war. And it 
eliminates any deeper consideration and curiosity about your opponent's points of view and their worldview in general, which is what it really comes down to. These worldviews, this is where Integral's explanation of uh, you know, traditional, modern, postmodern, progressive, and then we want a post-progressive as we move into an integral worldview. Those are the four, inter four, four worldview stacks that generally make up the culture war. Um, that is those, you know, once you get to integral, the idea is that you have a simpatico with all of them. You see the truths of all of them and see that they're claimed to be the only truth is really the only thing wrong with them. Uh, but in the meantime, these views really just demonize each other. And that's what's going on here when you say that these people are in a personality cult. So that brings us to, um, let me just see, I, 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 there's a, the, another piece I wanted to play. Um, yeah, it's, it's short, but worthy. It doesn't matter, it just doesn't matter to them because it's all tribal. Nothing to do with beliefs, nothing to do with ideology. It's all how much are you willing to, to, to descend into this personality cult? So that's, you know, I think a miss on Scarborough's part. And I think he actually in many ways knows better, but he also knows his audience. <laughs> so that brings me to the next clip, which is about another story that is big in the news right now. And that is the arrest of um, Donald Trump's favorite philosopher. He literally called him this. And that's Steve Bannon. Uh, Trump said, I don't know whether he's alt-left or alt-right, but he's my favorite philosopher. At one point he said that. And um, so Steve Bannon was just arrested for contempt of Congress for refusing to give information on the Capitol riots uh, again. And um, you know, he, he live streamed the whole thing to his audience. Uh, he was released. He uh, continued the live stream from his hotel room. So yes, he is making all of it that he can, Bannon is. And, and that this is the point that Scarborough points out that, that Bannon is, is merely a grifter. And, you know, he's just in it for the attention and money and spotlight. And I'm going to argue with that. But here's what uh, here's what Joe has to say. Breathtaking, just breathtaking. Um, yeah, Donald Trump, a lifelong grifter, surrounds himself with lifelong grifters. You have grifters grifting in and grifters grifting out. This guy has grifted in and out of the griftosphere of Donald Trump probably four or five times. Uh, so uh, it's, it's crazy that here we are, he somehow He's just, he's gotten a grifter's dream. He's, he's in the middle of the fight again, and now he can play It's Me, Vladimir Lenin, his hero. Uh, it's uh, Lenin against the state that he has promised to destroy. So yeah, uh, that's the explanation for Steve Bannon. And, um, you know, Integral can do way better than that. Uh, understanding Steve Bannon as being more than a mere grifter is really essential to understanding and ultimately transcending this culture war, which is what we as post 
progressives moving into the integral stage of development really are all about. And uh, it's not to say that Steve Bannon doesn't need to be arrested, uh, uh, tried, condemned, um, you know, whatever, punished. I, I, I'm happy to let the uh, system work as it's working, uh, but let's notice if we're going to condemn him in the meantime, uh, let's do it for the right reason. And I did a podcast on Bannon, I guess it was like three years ago, when he was in the Trump White House. And um, it was called the Bannon Doctrine, Demolition Ahead. And I made the case that developmentally speaking, Steve Bannon is a warrior. He's a holy warrior. So there's actually that, you know, when we talk about traditionalism, modernism, and postmodern progressivism, those big three worldviews that are in contention, integral arises out of those. But what precedes those is the stage of development that in spiral dynamics is uh, identified as red, also in the aqua model. And it's the warrior stage of development where your reason for being is to fight. I mean, if you're not fighting, you're actually not being responsible. And so that is uh, where, you know, we all have that strata and it's an appropriate strata in human development, but there are some people who, <laughs> Let's say they're arrested there. And there's a particular point on the developmental spectrum where it's warrior, red, but also moving into blue amber, which is the traditional holy, you know, you're fighting for God. So you're a holy warrior. And that is where Bannon uh, sits. He believes that he is fighting an age-old battle on the side of Almighty God against the capital E enemy, which is the forces arrayed against God and God's kingdom on earth. And, um, and that really resonates with a uh, strata of people in our culture, They're probably about 20%, 25%, but they're powerful um, and they when they find somebody who resonates with them in that way, yeah, it gets a little cultish, but so did it for me when Obama came along and I just resonated with the way this guy thought. It was like, oh, I love you, you know? And, you know, I can observe that and I can sort of discriminate from there. But um, a lot of these people, the, the, Trump and Bannon are their warrior kings in a way, and, and particularly Trump and Trump, <laughs> <laughs> Trump may be just more red. I think he's just plain old warrior. And the holy part, I think he has glimpses of that. I think there's a certain sincerity when he is with evangelicals. He gets that there is a God. He's not sure it's not him. But Bannon's a whole other category. Bannon is a deep thinker, actually. And one of his pillars of his worldview and I don't know to the degree that he got Trump on board with this, that, you know, they talked a long, many years before uh, Trump ran for president. Trump was on his podcast and, you know, they've been, um, you know, philosopher and protege for a long time here. And a pillar of Bannon's worldview for sure is a school of history that I've talked about before called the Strauss-Howe generational theory. 
It's developed by historians William Strauss and Neil Howe. And it states that human events, human history, can be loosely organized in terms of recurring 80-year cycles, which is in interesting because it's also the lifespan of a good human lifespan, of a good human life, 80 years. And that these 80-year cycles arrives, arise in four seasons. So there's 20 years, 20 years, 20 years, and 20 years, which are uh, four turnings. This is the, the generational theory. And the book, The Fourth Turning, that they wrote, was released in 1997, got a lot of attention. A lot of people respect it to this day. Al Gore gave a copy to every member of Congress. And, um, and the theory says, and they trace this back to, I think, the 1400s, these 80-year cycles. The first 20-year turning or season is a season of rebirth, where there's social unity and the building of new institutions. And in our current American generational cycle, the first turning for us was the post-World War II period. And the po post-war eras are generally first turnings. The war themselves are the fourth turnings, see? So the first, first turnings, rebirth, then the second turning is characterized by a spiritual awakening and a general rejection of the previous turnings, the first turnings values, which we saw, I think, really beautifully in the 60s, where the children of the greatest generation, the World War II generation, rejected their uptightness and uncoolness and ushered in the green worldview, which is you know, sexual revolution, the counterculture in general, um, pacifism, um, you know, environmentalism, feminism, the anti-heroic aesthetic, all of that stuff. And so that's the second turning. And it's also quite tumultuous. And then there's a third turning, which is a time of unraveling where society loses faith in institutions and business as usual. And that is the, you know, we're getting into the Reagan and, and, and Clinton era. And then there's the fourth turning, which is the time of breakdown where social institutions collapse and the way is cleared for the next first turning. And we in America have had four turnings so far, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and World War II. And the new fourth turning began, uh, it said, with the financial crisis in 2008. And since then, the culture war has been ignited, which is going to turn hot any day now. And, um, and I would argue that, you know, to the degree that the four turnings are true, and they kind of appeal to me because I love patterns of history. Uh, one of the patterns I would note that as we get move into the modern and postmodern worldview, things become radically less violent. And that's actually not seen in this theory. I think Integral can add that to this theory to the degree that we, you know, take this, this theory to heart. Um, in fact, I wrote uh, in the write-up to the Bannon piece, I'll, I'll read it. I said, herein lies a big problem. Strauss-Howe generational theory has little appreciation for the forward movement of history. In fact, Strauss and Howe 
spend the first third of their book explicitly rejecting what they call linear time in favor of seasonal time. And this is reminiscent, I just did a, I guess it was last week on the show, I did a critique of the new book by Graeber and Wegner called The Dawn of Everything, which is a rejection of developmental theory or a linear theory of history in general. And so this also does that, although it replaces it with a new uh, sort of brand narrative, which the um, dawn of everything would certainly reject. But at any rate, um, so they reject linear time in favor of seasonal time, an endless wheel of turnings that goes nowhere. Paraphrasing Nietzsche, they write that, quote, every event is perpetually reenacted, that everything anyone does has been done before and will be done again forever. That's what they write. And as I say, that is not only depressing, but terribly limited. How about we consider that historic time may have aspects that are circular and aspects that are linear? Well, it turns out we can. By contemplating the unspooling of time as a spiral, which is an oft employed image of the evolutionary movement. All right. And then I'll read the next paragraph too, because I think it's important. I, I, I write it, I, I write it, I wrote, adding the dimension of forward movement changes the theoretical calculus enormously. Without it, you are left with a worldview that reveals, for instance, that major wars are virtually inevitable. And indeed, this is how Bannon has talked about what he sees as the epic and historically recurring conflict between Western civilization built on Judeo-Christian values and its enemies, foremost of which is Islam, or perhaps China, which Bannon predicts will be in a war with the US over the South China Sea within 10 years, and quote, there is no doubt about that, unquote. And I think this is actually where he and Trump uh, may have um, uh, parted ways because Trump is uh, not militant in this way, uh, at least uh, in the, the short term that we saw him. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Trump's a bit of a, his own, he's his own case. I've done many uh, podcasts on him, but uh, I guess hopefully we won't have to take him too seriously in the future. But we might. Anyway, this is uh, what Bannon uh, said in a speech to the Vatican, I think right then, and it was like 2017. And so, you know, Bannon is a big defender of the Western civilization and, and Christianity and, uh, and is religious in the way that a holy warrior is religious. They think they're here to fight for God and for the right way against the enemy. And this is a speech he made to the Pope in the Vatican, Bannon. He said, we're at the very beginning stages of a very brutal and bloody conflict. Yeah, see, I'd say brutal if you count, you know, Twitter, bloody, I don't know, of which if the people in this room, the people in the church do not bind together and really form what I feel is an aspect of the church militant, to really be able to not just stand with our beliefs, but to fight for our beliefs against this new barbarity that's starting, 
that we will completely eradicate everything we've been bequeathed over the last 2,500 years. So, um, so that helps explain a lot of what is, um, is hang on here. Okay, yeah. Um, this explains a lot of the uh, uh, you know, critiques, if you will, that the modern and postmodern strata have against Trump. And, uh, it, and, and I'll quote Joe Scarborough here. This is what he said in that same um, segment where he was talking about people being tribal and uh, in a personality cult and grifters and so forth. Joe says, the thing is, the people who voted for Trump knew he wasn't a conservative. They knew he didn't give a damn about a balanced budget, about pushing back against illiberal regimes. They knew he was with Russia. And even after he did the very things that the radical left did in the 60s, trashing the FBI, trashing the CIA, trashing our intel community when he's in Hills, Helsinki talking to Vladimir Putin. They're still in the cult. So um, yeah, but if you see the world the way Bannon does and to the degree that he influences Trump, Trump did, does, um, being friends with Russia is a natural thing because they're also at the same stage that you are. They also, Putin's trying to build a, uh, a greater mother Russia and bring back the church and bring back conservative values. So you can see that the you know, conservatives, we have Tucker Carlson going to Hungary, that there is a new, um, uh, a, 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 um, a globalization of traditionalism that is happening that Bannon and Trump were a part of and are a part of. And what I have come to realize and this is just even in the last few weeks, it's become clearer to me uh, that Bannon and Trump did want violence on January 6th. When I listened back at the podcast, particularly the couple of days before the, the, um, the uh, rally on January 6th, where Bannon's talking about, it's going to get crazy, people, you got to be here, that they weren't just flirting with it, but they wanted it. And that does, you know, that has to be condemned and, um, you know, punished in our culture. So I'm glad that it is being done. Uh, but there is a, um, there's, there's something that they're, they're working for, that it's like in the speech to the Vatican, Bannon pointed out three things that were the enemy of the Western civilization. One is two perversions of capitalism. He's very pro-capitalist, he makes that point. But he wants a capitalism that is an enlightened capitalism of the Judeo-Christian West that has lifted all boats, that has created the prosperity and decency that we've seen capitalism do in the West. It has its you know, downside, but the upside is strong. And he makes the case for that against state-sponsored capitalism, like in China, or the Ayn Rand kind of capitalism, which he rejects, the libertarian capitalism, which 
as he puts it, commodifies people. He also is against the secularization of the West. And again, he's religious in a way that a holy warrior is religious. And he is against, and, and, and I realize, willing to be violent against the, you know, the whole 60s thing. You know, there were a lot of baby boomers who didn't sign up for the sexual revolution and, you know, letting go of God and all of that. And Bannon is their leader. And then he, the third thing, you know, so these perversions of capitalism, secularization, and then the third thing that the enemy is riding in, in their uh, uh, endless battle against God is Islamicism and Chinese culture. So this is why we're going to be, no doubt about it, at war with the Chinese within 10 years. I don't rule it out, but um, that's where he's coming from. And that's where a lot of these people are coming from. And it's, yeah, they're in a bit of a personality cult. Uh, aren't we all, when we find somebody who's fighting our fight for us, don't we forgive their excesses? Aren't we for them when they're trying to remake the world and not too particular about um, the ways they're doing it, if they're remaking it the way we like it? That is, you know, we want to see that uh, as sort of the operational animating energetics of humanity at this stage of the game. And um, not just um, when we see it, we don't have to just be it. So, all right. I, I guess that's all I'll do here today. There, I, I, there's another segment that Joe did, and I might get to it later. I, I need to edit it, but it was worthy. And, and again, I want to say that I like Joe Scarborough, and I think he has a lot of integral sensibilities. And yesterday, he did a interview with Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is the author of the 1619 Project, which situates American history as beginning in 1619 with the arrival of the first slaves and charts the American story from there. And this was, of course, it's big, it's controversial. It was in the New York Times. I think it was the whole New York Times Magazine one, one week, and it's about probably about a year ago. And it has you know, kicked off this latest battle in the culture war. And, um, and Joe had her on. And they had a very, you know, when you add it all up, it was a pretty darn integral conversation, I have to say. And um, I think it's worth noting, if you have a chance, check it out. I suppose it's available on YouTube. It was yesterday on Morning Joe. But uh, I may check it out uh, or may share some of that with you in the future. All right. I think we're at our half hour ending mark. Again, thank you for joining me. You can find all my stuff at dailyevolver.com. You can go to the Post Progressive Post for a lot of new content on the Post Progressive Movement, which is a big project of the Institute for Cultural Evolution. And I thank them for inviting me to do this show. And I thank you for joining me here. And I'll see you next week. Same time, same station. Okay. Thanks, folks. <laughs>